This is madness. No. For the love of God. No. No. This is all true. Ten years ago, give or take a year, I found myself on an enforced stopover in Los Angeles, a long way from home. It was December, and the California weather was warm and pleasant. England, however, was in the grip of fogs and snowstorms, and no planes were landing there. Each day I'd phone the airport, and each day I'd be told to wait another day. This had gone on for almost a week. I was barely out of my teens. Looking around today at the parts of my life left over from those days, I feel uncomfortable. As if I've received a gift, unasked, from another person. A house, a wife, children, a vocation. Nothing to do with me, I could say, innocently. If it's true that every seven years each cell in your body dies and is replaced, then I have truly inherited my life from the dead man. And the misdeeds of those times have been forgiven and are buried with his bones. I was in Los Angeles. Yes. On the sixth day, I received a message from an old sort of girlfriend from Seattle. She was in L.A. too, and she had heard I was around on the Friends of Friends network. Would I come over? Hi, this is Tink. You know what to do, and you know just how to do it. Hi, Tink. It's me. I'd love to see you, yes. I left a message on her machine. Sure. That evening, a small blonde woman approached me as I came out of the place I was staying. It was already dark. She stared at me as if she were trying to match me to a description, and then, hesitantly, she said, Are you Tink's friend? Guy she met in England? That'd be me, yes. I'm her roommate car's out back. Come on. She's really looking forward to seeing you. Her car was one of those huge old boat-like jobs you only ever seem to see in California. It smelled of cracked and flaking leather upholstery. We drove out from wherever we were to wherever we were going. So how'd you meet Tink? Bit of a cliche. We met in a pub, actually. Yeah, I knew that already. She told me. I said you're crazy. You don't know anything about him. She said, Dorothy, he's English. I said, no offense on Jack the Ripper was English. Thanks. How far away is her house? I'm afraid I'm lost already. Oh, it's a big city. Well, yes, but so is London or Paris or New York, and I never seem to get lost in them. I suppose it's because you can walk around them or catch a subway, but L.A. doesn't seem to work without a car. Well, they're building a subway. I don't know who's going to take it. Los Angeles was at that time a complete mystery to me. And I cannot say I understand it much better now. Memories of L.A., for me, are linked by rides in other people's cars. No sense there of the shape of the city, of the relationships between the people and the place. The regularity of the roads, the repetition of structure and form, mean that when I try to remember it as an entity... All I have is the boundless profusion of tiny lights I saw one night on my first trip to the city from the hill of Griffith Park. 
It was one of the most beautiful things I had ever seen from that distance. Hey, hey, Jack the Ripper, you see that building? That red one. Art Deco, built in the 30s. Hard to believe it's still here today, huh? 1930s, gosh. Wish I'd been around back then. You've never been to England, have you? No, why? No reason. I said something polite, trying to comprehend the city inside which 50 years could be considered a long time. Oh, now that one there, that's one of my favorites. It's the original Brown Derby building. It's shaped like a hat. How far to Tink's place from here? No more than 15 minutes. Tink's real excited. When she heard you were in town, she was so excited. I'm looking forward to seeing her again, too. Tink's real name was Tinkerbell Richmond. No lie. She was staying with friends in a small apartment clump somewhere about a half an hour's drive from downtown L.A. She was ten years older than me, in her early thirties. She had glossy black hair and red, puzzled lips and very white skin, like Snow White in the fairy stories. The first time I met her, I thought she was the most beautiful woman in the world. Tink had been married for a while at some point in her life and had a five-year-old daughter called Susan. I had never met Susan. When Tink had been in England, Susan had been staying on in Seattle with her father. People named Tinkerbell named their daughters Susan. Memory is the great deceiver. Perhaps there are some individuals whose memories act like tape recordings, daily records of their lives complete in every detail, but I am not one of them. My memory is a patchwork of occurrences, of discontinuous events roughly sewn together. The parts I remember, I remember precisely, whilst other sections seem to have vanished completely. I do not remember arriving at Tink's house, nor where her flatmate went. What I remember next is sitting in Tink's lounge with the lights low, the two of us next to each other, on the sofa. You look wonderful. Well, so do you. You look amazing. Jesus, how long has it been? Oh, never mind that. Let me look at you. We made small oh, talk. Your hair's still the same. It had been perhaps a year since we had seen one another. But a 22-year-old boy has little to say to a 32-year-old woman, and soon, having nothing in common... I pulled her to me. She snuggled close with a kind of sigh and presented her lips to be kissed. In the half-light, her lips were black. We kissed for a little, and I stroked her breast through her blouse on the couch. Honey, we can't have sex. I've got my period. Fine. I can give you a blowjob, if you'd like. I nodded assent. And she unzipped my jeans and lowered her head to my lap. After I had come, she got up and ran into the kitchen. I heard her spitting into the sink and the sound of running water. I remember wondering why she did it, if she hated the taste that much. Then she returned, and we sat next to each other on the couch. Susan's upstairs asleep. She's all I live for. Would you like to see her? I don't mind. We went upstairs. Tink led me into a darkened bedroom. There were child scroll pictures all over the walls, wax crayon drawings of winged fairies and little palaces. 
and a small, fair-haired girl was asleep in the bed. I love the drawings. Did she do them? Yes, she did. My little angel. She loves drawing. Isn't she beautiful? She takes after her father. We went downstairs. We had nothing else to say. Nothing else to do. Tink turned on the main light. For the first time, I noticed tiny crow's feet at the corners of her eyes, incongruous on her perfect Barbie doll face. I love you. I really, really love you. Thank you. Would you like a ride back? If you don't mind leaving Susan alone. She shrugged, and I pulled her to me for the last time. At night, Los Angeles is all lights and shadows. A blank here in my mind. I simply don't remember what happened next. She must have driven me back to the place where I was staying. How else would I have gotten there? I do not even remember kissing her goodbye. Perhaps I simply waited on the sidewalk and watched her drive away. Perhaps. I do know, however, that once I reached the place I was staying, I just stood there, unable to go inside to wash and then to sleep, unwilling to do anything else. I was not hungry. I did not want alcohol. I did not want to read or talk. I was scared of walking too far in case I became lost, bedeviled by the repeating motifs of Los Angeles, spun around and sucked in so I could never find my way home again. Central Los Angeles sometimes seems to me to be nothing more than a pattern, like a set of repeating blocks, a gas station, a few homes, a mini-mall, and repeat until hypnotized. And the tiny changes in the mini-malls and the houses only serve to reinforce the structure thought of Tink's lips. Then I fumbled in a pocket of my jacket and pulled out a pack of cigarettes. I lit one, inhaled, blew smoke into the warm night air. There was a stunted palm tree growing outside the place I was staying, and I resolved to walk for a way, keeping the tree in sight, to smoke my cigarette, perhaps even to think. But I felt too drained to think. Felt very sexless and very alone. A block or so down the road, there was a bench, and when I reached it, I sat down. I threw the stub of the cigarette onto the pavement hard and watched it shower orange sparks. Hey, hey, pal. You buy a cigarette out of here. Yeah. Jesus. You startled me. I'm sorry, I didn't see you. He did not look old, although. I would not have been prepared to say how old he was. Late thirties, perhaps mid-forties. He wore a long, shabby coat, colorless under the yellow street lamps, and his eyes were dark. Here, a quarter. Twenty-five cents for a smoke. Take it. It's a good price. Keep your money. It's free. Have it. He took the cigarette. I passed him a book of matches. It advertised a telephone sex line. I remember that. And he lit the cigarette. Here. 
keep them. I always wind up accumulating books of matches in America. You people just give them away. Where I come from, you have to pay for them. Is that a fact, huh? He sat on the bench beside me and smoked his cigarette. When he had smoked it halfway down, he tapped the lighted end off on the concrete, stubbed out the glow, and placed the butt of the cigarette behind his ear. I don't smoke much. Pity you're wasted, though. Did you see that? It could have killed someone. I owe you. Sorry? I owe you something. A cigarette and matches. You wouldn't take the money, but I owe you. Ah, but it's just a cigarette. I figure if I give people cigarettes, then if ever I'm out, maybe people will give me cigarettes. Don't worry about it. You're English, right? Yes. That's that thing the English do. Uh, they say something like it's a joke even though they mean it. So, you want to hear a story? True story. And stories always used to be good payment. These days, eh, not so much. I sat back on the bench, and the night was warm, and I looked at my watch. It was almost one in the morning. In England, a freezing new day would already have begun. A work day would be starting for those who could beat the snow and get into work. Another handful of old people and those without homes would have died in the night from the cold. Sure, why not? Tell me a story. (coughs) (coughs) Sorry. The first thing I remember was the word. And the word was God. Sometimes when I get really down, I remember the sound of the word in my head. Shaping me, forming me, giving me life. The word gave me a body, gave me eyes. And I opened my eyes and I saw the light of the silver city. I was in a room, a silver room. And there wasn't anything in it except me. In front of me was a window that went from floor to ceiling, open to the sky. And through the window I could see the spires of the city. And at the edge of the city, the dark. I don't know how long I waited there. I wasn't impatient or anything, though. I remember that. It was like I was waiting until I was called, and I knew that sometime I would be called. And if I had to wait until the end of everything and never be called, why, that was fine, too. But I'd be called. I was certain of that. And then I'd know my name and my function. Through the window, I could see silver spires. And in many of the other spires were windows. And in the windows, I could see others like me. That was how I knew what I looked like. You wouldn't think it of me, seeing me now, but I was beautiful. I've come down on the world away since then. I was taller then, and I had wings. They were huge and powerful wings, with feathers the color of -of mother-of-pearl. They came out from just between my shoulder blades. They were so good, my wings. Sometimes I'd see others like me, the ones who'd left their rooms who were already fulfilling their duties. I'd watch them soar through the sky from spire to spire, performing errands I could barely imagine. 
The sky above the city was a wonderful thing. It was always light, although lit by no sun, lit perhaps by the city itself. But the quality of light was forever changing. Now pewter-colored light, then brass, then a gentle gold, or a soft and quiet amethyst. You know what amethyst is. It's a, it's a kind of purple stone. Yes, I know that. My crotch felt uncomfortable. It occurred to me then that the man might not be mad. I found this far more disquieting than the alternative. I don't know how long it was that I waited in my room. But time didn't mean anything, not back then. We had all the time in the world. The next thing that happened to me was when the angel Lucifer came to my cell. He was taller than me, and his wings were imposing. His plumage perfect. He had skin the color of sea mist and curly silver hair and these wonderful gray eyes. I say he, but you should understand none of us had any sex to speak of. <laughs> Smooth and empty. Nothing there between the legs, you know. Lucifer shone. I mean it, he glowed from inside. All angels do. They're lit up from within. And in my cell, the angel Lucifer burned like a lightning storm. He looked at me, and he named me. You are Ragwell, the vengeance of the Lord. Yes, I see. I am Ragwell. I am vengeance. That is my name. That is my function. There has been a, a wrong thing, the first of its kind. You are needed. He turned and pushed himself into space, and I followed him. It's astonishing. It's wonderful. The Silver City, yes. It astonishes. It inspires wonder. It's all there is, you know. What about outside the city? What is that? It's called the Dark. We do not go there. It is not of this place. I flew behind him across the Silver City to the outskirts where the city stops and the darkness begins. And it was there, under a vast silver spire, that we descended to the street and I saw the dead angel. The body lay crumpled and broken on the silver sidewalk. Its wings were crushed underneath it and a few loose feathers had already blown into the silver gutter. The body was almost dark. Now and again a light would flash inside it. An occasional flicker of cold fire in the chest or in the eyes or in the sexless groin as the last of the glow of life left it forever. Blood pooled in rubies on its chest and stained its white wing feathers crimson. It was very beautiful, even in death. It would have broken your heart. You must find who was responsible for this and how, and take the vengeance of the name on whoever caused this thing to happen. I know. The hunt and the retribution is why I was created in the beginning. It is what I am. Who was this? The angel carousel. 
He worked in the Hall of Being, there. Impressive building. Perhaps. It serves its function. Do you know who did it yet? No, not yet. I leaned down to examine the body. All luminescence had by now left it. It was a dark thing. A parody of an angel. It had a perfect sexless face, framed by silver hair. One of the eyelids was open, revealing a placid gray eye. The other was closed. There were no nipples on the chest, and only smoothness between the legs. Help me turn him over. What happened to it? It's a mess. Let's see. Carousel's wings are broken and twisted. The back of the head staved in. I think its spine has been broken as well, in a couple of places. There's blood all over its back. Okay, let's turn him back again. His front is pretty clean. The only blood is in the chest area. Some kind of hole in its front. Look, if I probe it with my forefinger, it enters the body without difficulty. What have you learned? He fell, and he was mortally wounded before he fell. Somebody is responsible for this. Somebody made this happen. I will find you, whoever you are, and I will take the Lord's vengeance upon you. You're very certain? Yes. I have work to attend to. Before you go, who discovered the body? Was it you? Fanuel, the senior designer in the Hall of Being. You can find him inside. Yes, I can. Thank you, Lucifer. You are most welcome. Now, if you'll excuse me. He flapped his wings once, hard, and rose upwards. A gust of wind sent the dead angel's loose feathers blowing across the street. The man took the cigarette stub from behind his ear, lit it with a match. Waste not, want not. That's what they say, isn't it? That's what they say, yes. I could smell the ashtray smell of a dead cigarette, acrid and harsh. Then he pulled down to the unburnt tobacco and exhaled blue smoke into the night air. So, uh, the angel who had first discovered the body, it was called Fanwell. I spoke to him in the Hall of Being. Yeah, well, that was the spire beside which the dead angel lay. And in the hall hung the blueprints, maybe, for what it was going to be. All this. All what? The cars? The streets? L.A.? Yeah, all that and more. The universe. The universe? Fanuel was the senior designer. Working under him were a multitude of angels laboring on the details of the creation. I watched him from the floor of the hall. He hung in the air below the plant. An angel flew down to him, waiting politely in turn as they asked him questions, checked things with him, invited comment on their work. Eventually, he left them and came down to my level. You are Rodwell, are you not? What need of you of me? I hear you found the body. Poor Carousel, indeed I did. 
I was leaving the hall. There are a number of concepts we are currently constructing, and I wish to ponder one of them. A regret, by name. I was planning to get a little distance from the city. To fly above it, I mean, not to go into the dark outside. I wouldn't do that. Although, there has been some loose talk amongst... Well, but yes. I was going to rise and contemplate. I left the hall, and... Oh, poor foolish carousel. How could he do that to himself? How? You think his destruction was self-inflicted? But of course. Carousel was working under me, developing a number of concepts that shall be intrinsic to the universe when its name shall be spoken. His group did a remarkable job on some of the real basics. Dimension was one, and sleep another. Oh, there were others. Uh, Wonderful work. Some of his suggestions regarding the use of individual viewpoints to define dimensions were truly ingenious. Anyway, he had begun work on a new project. It's one of the really major ones, the ones that I would usually handle, or possibly even Zefkiel. But Carousel had done such sterling work, and his last project was so remarkable, something apparently quite trivial that he and Sirachwile elevated into... Oh, but that is unimportant. It was this project that forced him into non-being. But none of us could ever have foreseen. What was his current project? I'm not sure that I can tell you. All the new concepts are considered sensitive and confidential until we get them into the final form in which they will be spoken. I felt myself transforming. I am not sure how I can explain it to you, but suddenly, I wasn't me. I was something larger. I was transfigured. I was my function. I am Rockwell. With the vengeance of the Lord, I serve the name directly. It is my mission to discover the nature of this deed and to take the name vengeance on those responsible. My questions are to be answered. Yes, yes, of course. Uh, Carousel and his partner were researching death. Cessation of life, an end to physical, animated existence. They were putting it all together. But Carousel always went too far into his work. Oh, we had a terrible time with him when he was designing agitation. That was when he was working on emotions. You think Carousel died to, to research the phenomenon? Or because it intrigued him, or because he followed his research just too far. Yes. Ah, I trust that you will repeat none of this to any unauthorized persons, Rogwell. What did you do when you found the body? I came out of the hall, as I said, and there was Carousel on the sidewalk staring up. I asked him what he was doing, and he did not reply. Then I noticed the inner fluid and that Carousel seemed unable, rather than unwilling, to talk to me. I was scared. I I did not know what to do. The angel Lucifer came up behind me. He asked me if there was some Some kind kind of problem, Fanwell. Indeed, yes. Yes. This angel, Carousel, a bad thing has happened. A very bad thing. I showed him the body, and then... Then... His aspect came upon him, and he communed with the name. He burned so bright. He said, I shall fetch the one whose function embraces events such as this. And he left to seek you, I imagine. 
As Carousel's death was now being dealt with and his fate was no real concern of mine, I returned to work, having gained a new and, I suspect, quite valuable perspective on the mechanics of regret. I am considering taking death away from the Carousel and Sirachwael partnership. I may reassign it to Zefkiel, my senior partner, if he is willing to take it on. Oh, he excels on contemplative projects. <laughs> Look, can we hurry this up? There are dozens of angels waiting to talk to me. I'm extremely busy. Hmm. Who did Carousel work with? Who would have been the last to see him alive? You could talk to Sirachwael, I suppose. He was his partner, after all. Now... If you'll excuse me. Hmm? He returned oh, to his like swarm of aides, advising, there? correcting, suggesting, forbidding. Now, who has the giraffe hey, did you see that? What? Over there by that car, a jackal. Coyote. Damn if I know what they're coming to the city for. Good story, huh? I've never heard anything like it. <laughs> So, I went to talk to the dead angel's partner. Sirachwael was in the highest of the mezzanine galleries that ring the Hall of Being. As I said, the universe was in the middle of the hall, and it glinted and sparkled and shone. And not quite a way, too. The universe you mentioned, it was what, a diagram? I don't quite understand. No, not really. It's kind of... That's sort of... It, it was a blueprint, but it was full-sized, and it... It hung in the hall, and all these angels went around, and they fiddled with it all the time. They were doing stuff with gravity and music and clar and whatever. But it wasn't really the universe, not yet. It would be when it was finished, and it was time for it to be properly named. I'm sorry. I really don't see... Well, don't worry about it. Think of it as a model, if that makes it easier for you, or a map, or... What's the word? Prototype. Yeah. Yeah, Model T Ford Universe. You've you got to understand, a lot of the stuff I'm telling you, I'm translating already. I'm putting it in a form you can understand. Otherwise, I couldn't tell the story at all. Look, you want to hear it, or you want to keep asking questions? I want to hear it. Good, so shut up and listen. So I met Zerachwael in the topmost gallery. There was no one else about, just him, and some papers, and some small, glowing models. I've come about Carousel. Carousel isn't here at this time, I'm afraid. I expect him to return shortly. Carousel won't be coming back. He stopped existing as a spiritual entity. He's dead? That's what I said. Do you have any ideas about how it happened? I... This is so sudden. I, I mean, he'd been talking about... But I had no idea that he would... Well, well, take it on to the next step. He got up and walked to the window. There was no view of the Silver City from his window, just a reflected glow from the city and the sky behind us, hanging in the air. And beyond that, the dark. The wind from the dark gently caressed Zorakwael's hair as he spoke. I stared at his back and listened. Carousel is... No, was... That's right, isn't it? Was. He was always so involved and so creative, but it was never enough for him. He always wanted to understand everything, to experience what he was working on. He was never content to just create it, to understand it intellectually. 
He wanted all of it. All of it? Yes. That wasn't a problem before when we were working on properties of matter. But when we began to design some of the named emotions, he got too involved with his work. And our latest project was death. It's one of the hard ones. One of the big ones, too, I suspect. Possibly, it may even become the attribute that's going to define the creation for the created. If not for death, they'd be content to simply exist. But with death, their lives will have meaning. A boundary beyond which the living cannot cross. So you're saying you think he killed himself? I know he did. That's him, isn't it? Excuse me? The white and red dot on the sidewalk down there? Is that Carousel? I believe so. How can they just leave him there like that? Someone will clean up the mess. Who? I don't know who. But there will be an angel whose function it is to remove things that are unwanted. My function is discovery and vengeance. So how do you know that Carousel killed himself? How? There's no other possible explanation. Look, recently he'd begun asking questions. Questions about death. How could we know whether or not it was right to make this thing? To set the rules if we were not going to experience it ourselves? He kept talking about it. Didn't you wonder about this? Weren't you concerned? Not in the slightest. That is our function. To discuss, to to improvise, to aid the creation and the created. We sort it out now so that when it all begins, it'll run like clockwork. Right now we're working on death. So obviously that's what we look at. The physical aspect, the emotional aspect, the philosophical aspect. So that was what Carousel was working on. That and the patterns. Carousel had the notion that what we do here in the Hall of Being creates patterns. That there are structures and shapes appropriate to beings and events that, once begun, must continue until they reach their end. For us, perhaps, as well as for them. Conceivably, he felt this was one of his patterns. I see, I think. Did you know Carousel well? As well as any of us know each other. We saw each other here. We worked side by side. At certain times, I would retire to my cell across the city. Sometimes he would do the same. Hmm. Tell me about Fanwell. The boss? Honestly? He's officious. Doesn't do much. Farms everything out and takes all the credit. To hear him talk, you'd think that love was all his own work. But to his credit, he does make sure the work gets done. Zefkiel's the real thinker of the two senior designers, but he doesn't come here. He stays back in his cell in the city and contemplates, resolves problems from a distance. If you need to speak to Zefkiel, you go to Fanwell, and Fanwell relays your questions to Zefkiel. How about Lucifer? Tell me about him. Lucifer? The captain of the host? He doesn't work here. He has visited the hall a couple of times, though, inspecting the creation. They say he reports directly to the name. I have never spoken to him. Did he know Carousel? I I doubt it. As I said, he has only been here twice. I have seen him on other occasions, though. Through the window over there, in flight, 
on his way somewhere. Where was he going? I... I don't know. It's beautiful, isn't it? The city from this height. And the darkness beyond the city. Yes. It's beautiful. It's all there is. I may want to talk with you some more later. Very good. Sir, do you know if they will be assigning me another partner for death? No, I'm afraid I don't. In the center of the Silver City was a park, a place of recreation and rest. I found the angel Lucifer there beside a river. He was just standing, watching the water flow. Lucifer. Ragwell, are you making progress? I don't know. Maybe. I need to ask you a few questions. Do you mind? Not at all. How did you come upon the body? I didn't. Not exactly. I saw Fanwell standing in the street. He looked distressed. I inquired whether there was something wrong, and he showed me the dead angel. And I fetched you. I see. The water's so cold. Is that all? Not quite. What were you doing in that part of the city? I don't see what business that is of yours. It is my business, Lucifer. What were you doing there? I was. Walking. I do that sometimes. Just walk and think. And try to understand. You walk on the edge of the city? Yes. That's all I want to know. For now. Who else have you talked to? Carousel's boss and his partner. They both feel that he killed himself, ended his own life. Who else are you going to talk to? Maybe everyone. All of them? There must be thousands of us, millions. You'd speak to each of us? If I need to. It's my function. I cannot rest until I understand what happened. And until the vengeance of the name has been taken on whoever was responsible... But I'll tell you something I do know. What would that be? Carousel didn't kill himself. How do you know that? I am vengeance. If Carousel had died by his own hand, there would have been no call for me. Would there? He did not reply. I flew upwards into the light of the eternal morning. <laughs> 